Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flyer Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a replay from our Easter message in our Easter series called The Trial, The Death, The Day. Let's take a listen. What we're going to look at today is the fact that Resurrection Day, the day, everybody responds differently. Everybody's affected differently. And so what we're gonna simply do is we're gonna look in the scripture today and I want us to look at how the people who had a firsthand experience with the resurrection day, how they were affected and how everyone differed in how they were affected. And so we're gonna walk through several of the gospels. We're gonna be flipping a good bit today, just going through three different books. We're gonna look in Matthew, we're gonna look in Luke and then we're gonna look in John. Then we're gonna end up back in Matthew. But the reason that we're doing that is because all these accounts that are recorded in the gospels, they're all from different perspectives. They're all from different eye view, if you would. But what we're doing is we're compiling all that we're reading today and you're gonna see how it all just sort of blends in together to help us better understand how everyone was affected. So I want you to flip to Matthew chapter 28. This is gonna be the very first place that we read from. And we're gonna read verses one through 10 to start with in Matthew chapter 28. So if you got there, I want you to read along with me. If you don't, um, it'll be on the screen. But Matthew chapter 28, verse one, it says, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. Verse three. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guard shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here for he is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he was lying. Verse seven, go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. And they ran to report it to the disciples. And then behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee and there they will see me. Pray with me. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for this passage. So God, as we open it today, Lord, I pray that we would all evaluate and see how we can relate to how the resurrection has affected us. So God, move in a mighty way this morning as you already have. And we'll give you the praise and the honor for it all in Jesus' name, amen. Before we really look at how it affected, we have to look first at what affected. Verses five and six. I know you probably thought, how in the world is you reading through verses five and six so fast? Because we were coming back to it, all right? Verse five and six, this is our identity. 
This is why we're here today. This is why we've been here all day. This is why we're celebrating this morning. Look at what the angel said in verse five. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking. You are actively seeking. You're trying to find. You're here trying to find something that's not here. And that thing that you are trying to find is Jesus who has been crucified. Crucified, meaning he was killed, he was murdered, he was beat beyond recognition. He was dead. He was crucified. Verse six, but currently, he ain't here. For he has risen. He has actively risen. Jesus has left the building. Jesus has left the tomb. He is not here anymore. Come and see the place. I love this. Come and see the place where he was lying. The very person that you came actively seeking, the very dead body that you came looking for has risen and is no longer here. Church, this is why we celebrate today. This is why even Easter, it should be even more so celebrated than Christmas because the resurrection is our identity. Resurrection is our life. That we were all once dead in our sins, but because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that sin was wiped away. And when he was brought back to life on the third day, it was so that we too could have life. And church, this is why we celebrate it. So how has that resurrection how has it affected you? Because the truth is, and you may not like this, but the resurrection has and will affect you whether you want it to or not. You don't have a choice in this matter if the resurrection will or will not affect you. But I want us to look very quickly today in verse eight. We're gonna look at these women and how they were affected by this resurrection. Look at what it says in verse eight. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. You know, when we look at fear and great joy, it seems like these are two emotions or two responses that are really contradicting of one another. So how can we have fear, but at the same time have great joy? You know, I'm a pretty simple-minded guy. And so what I understand is I understand that fear and great joy can go together because every one of us in this room have experienced fear and great joy at the same time. You remember when you were, maybe you're a mom or a dad and you were getting ready to give birth to your child. You remember going to the hospital. You remember all that was involved. You were so excited. You were so full of joy, but yet in the back of your mind, there was this little element of fear that going, man, I hope everything goes good. I hope today is, is easy. I hope today ends up the way that I want it to end up. Another relevant way to kind of relate to this, how many of you have ever sold or bought a house? Okay, there's three of us in here that have sold and bought a house. Praise God. Where do y'all live? <laughs> but y'all remember, especially when you put your house on the market and the phone starts ringing and somebody makes an offer. Woo-hoo! Great joy, right? 
But what are you thinking in the back of your mind? I want to be excited, but yet I'm going to prepare for the worst. Because remember, nothing's official till it's, it's signed, right? Same thing with you buying a house. You find the house of your dreams. You make the offer. You're so excited. You already have the furniture picked out. You've already noticed how the living room is going to look. But in the back of your mind, there's this fear of, oh no, is it going to work out? So you see, you've been exactly where these women were. These women knew that Jesus wasn't present. They knew he was gone. And so we knew they know what he had been speaking of, that the resurrection was coming but somewhere in the back of their mind, we want to get excited because he's not here. But is there another reason why he's not here? Did they steal his body? Did something else happen? And so we know that they left with fear and great joy. And we know that as they ran, as they left the scene, they were still trying to process everything. They were still trying to process what they had witnessed just three days prior. They were still trying to process that he was dead without life. And he was buried in this borrowed tomb. But now, three days later, that body is gone. Wait a minute. How in the world did that happen? And we all have to process that. And when we have to process things that seem impossible, there's emotions that go from having fear to having great joy. It's exactly the weight that these women were carrying. But what I love about the obedience of these women, although at this point they couldn't answer all the questions, although they didn't understand it all, although they couldn't comprehend it all, they were still obedient. Because remember what the angel said, the angel said, go and tell. Go and make the announcement to the disciples. Let them know that Jesus' body is not here. And so we know that they didn't understand it all, yet the angel of the Lord had already given them instruction. And even in the processing, they were obedient. Even in the processing, they were trying to obedient, be obedient to what God had instructed them to do, even when they didn't understand it all. Even when they didn't have the full picture. So they were going to leave to tell the disciples. They weren't gonna be able to answer all the questions. They weren't gonna be able to explain it all, but they stepped out on faith. And I want you to look what happened next. Look at verse nine. And behold, Jesus met them. You see what happened there? They didn't understand it all. They didn't fully comprehend everything that had happened, but they were faithful in stepping towards what the God had, had told them to do. They were stepping forward in obedience, even though it didn't understand it all, even though they had not seen it all come to fruition yet. But what happened? They stepped out on faith and Jesus met them. How many of you in the room remember when Jesus met you? You remember that as a, maybe as a child, maybe it was last week. The Holy Spirit of God was drawing you to himself. You didn't understand it all. You really didn't understand what was going on. You were having a hard time processing it. But the beauty of salvation is all it took was that step of faith and Jesus met you right where you were. That's the beauty of grace. That is the beauty of mercy. 
As a 12-year-old boy, when I felt God knocking on my heart's door, you better believe I didn't understand it all. As a 43-year-old man right now, I still don't understand it all. I'm still trying to process all of it. I'm still trying to understand God's word on a daily basis. I don't understand it all. But what I do know is that when I step out on faith, guess who meets me? His name is Jesus. And the reason that he meets me is because he's no longer dead in the grave. That's how he meets me. So I want you to put it in the back of your mind that this whole Christianity thing, that this whole Jesus thing, that you've got to make sense of it all. You're never going to be able to. So just step out on faith and let Jesus meet you right where you are. Because when you meet Jesus, when he meets you, everything changes. Everything changes, and that's exactly what's happened in these women's lives. We see that when Jesus met them, that they fell at his feet and they worshiped him. You see, when Jesus meets us and we discover the change that has happened in all of our hearts and our lives, that now we were once hopeless, but now we have hope. We were once in darkness, but now we're standing in the light. You gotta understand that you can't have an encounter like that and it not transform who you are. And the way that it transformed these women is they went from not believing to they laid their life down at his feet and they worshiped him. The reason that people run around on the stage and they act nuts is because Jesus met them. Because there's a lot up here, myself included, that feel very unworthy of the fact that Jesus would meet us. Does he know what I did? Does he know where I've been? Absolutely, and that's the very reason that he died on a hill called Calvary. And that is the very reason that that tomb is empty. It's because he knew you. And he knew me. But there's nothing wrong with getting excited about life change. Some of those people ain't gonna be able to walk tomorrow. I can't wait. I can guarantee you their heart rate has not been that high in years. I walked back there in the room and they were, <laughs> they were all, you know, stretching. They were doing everything. But praise God, there's something to be excited about. There's something to be loud about. Because when Jesus meets us, it brings change. It brings change. So the way that it affected these ladies is it changed their life. But now I want us to look at their obedience and they ran to tell. I want you to flip to the Gospel of Luke. B.B. was there just a moment ago. But I want you to look at the Gospel of Luke and we're gonna see exactly how it affected two of the men that the ladies told. Luke chapter 24. And I want you to look at verses eight through 11. Starting in verse eight, it says, and they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. Verse 10, 
And now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary and the mother of James. Also the other women with them were telling the things that had happened to the apostles. Look at verse 11. But these words appeared to them as nonsense. And they would not believe them. So they go speaking of this resurrection. They go telling them of all the events that have happened. And the very people that have walked with Jesus, the very people that have seen Jesus, thought it was nonsense. They didn't believe him. And so what we see next is probably what all of our responses would have been. If we hear something that we think is untrue, if we hear something that thinks is nonsense, or we hear something that seems like an impossibility, what do we gotta do? We wanna go see it for ourselves. If it's too good to be true, then I wanna see it with my own eyes. And so that's exactly how Peter and John responded. The two disciples that we're gonna look at next, they heard it. It was nonsense. And according to the scriptures, they didn't believe it. But what did they do? Here again, we're gonna flip to John. Flip back to the gospel of John. It'll be on the screen if you don't wanna flip around too much. But the gospel of John chapter 20. And all this is, and I want you to understand, this is not contradictory in God's word, but what this is, is it's different viewpoints. And, and what it does is it brings the entirety of the entire gospel together so that we can see how the picture looks. But I want you to look at verse 20 or chapter 20, verse three and four. Now remember, John is writing this and you're about to find something very interesting. So Peter and the other disciple, who's the other disciple? John, he's writing but he's referring himself to the other disciple and you're about to hear why I believe. This is just my ignorant brain. So Peter and other disciples, they went forth and they were going to the tomb and the two were running together and the other disciple, which is John, ran ahead faster than Peter and they came to the tomb first. Y'all see what I, y'all already laughing. The arrogance and the passive aggressiveness of John. He's like, I just want you to know I'm a whole lot faster than Peter. That's what he's, we see that this is just the guys being the guys. I'm writing about this. I'm talking about Jesus. But by the way, I am a whole lot faster than that guy named Peter. But you see, that really plays into what happens next. We see that when they got to the tomb, he again tells us the other disciple came to the tomb first. We get it. You were fast. And stooping in, Looking in, he saw the linen wrapping lying there, but he did not go in. Then verse six, and so Simon, Peter also came there again, following him, and he entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen, but rolled up in a place by itself. You see, what we see is the resurrection has affected two men differently. They started out not believing. They started out thinking it was nonsense, but they wanted to go see it for themselves that this body was not there. And so we know that according to the scripture, John arrived first. I'm assuming he was like a four, 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 40 or something like that. And maybe Peter's was like four, nine. I don't know. 
But when John got there, he was the first one and he looked in and he saw Jesus wasn't there. And the Bible says he didn't go in. You see, it didn't take a whole lot to convince John that the resurrected body was gone. And so maybe that's your story. Maybe you're a lot like John. Maybe you were growing up in church. Maybe you were at every VBS. Maybe you were at everything under the sun. And then finally, when your heart was awoken to the gospel, when you finally knew that Jesus had died on the cross to save you, it didn't take a whole lot of convincing. You felt the, prob the probing of the Holy Spirit into your heart and you knew that that was God knocking on your heart's door and you asked Jesus to save you and just like that, it was done. That's kind of my story. At 12 years old, it didn't take a whole lot of convincing. Once I recognized my sin and once I recognized that Jesus had died on the cross for me, and that God had sent that son, sent his son Jesus, so that I could trust in his son Jesus to have a relationship with him. At 12 years old, I said, God, save me. God, save me. Or maybe you're a little more like Peter. We know that Peter got to the tomb second. Slow guy, poor fella. He gets to the tomb second and what happened? He had to go in for a closer look. He had to go in and examine all the ways that the cloth had been laid out. He had to examine everything because he was still processing everything. You know, last week was probably a Sunday that myself will never forget. As 13 people surrendered their life to Jesus Christ last Sunday, eight in the first service, five in the second service, and I remember standing there on the stage as we brought them back up front. And I was looking at all of the testimonies that were there and I had seen some, some Johns. There were some young kids up here. They didn't take a whole lot of convincing. The Holy Spirit knocked on their heart's door and they said, God save me. But then I looked across the stage and I began to notice and recognize people that we've been praying for for two years. You see, that was a little more like Peter. They've heard the gospel. They've heard of the resurrection, but over the last two years, they've wanted to continue to dive deeper so that they could better see it, so that they could better understand it. But the beauty of it is, it doesn't matter how quick you respond, it doesn't matter how slow you respond, but the beauty was, they are all saved by God's grace. And so we see that there's two different personalities, if you would, between Peter and John. It affected them in that they didn't believe. But John believed pretty quick. But it looked, took Peter just a little bit longer. But now what I want us to do is look at two more of the disciples or two more of the apostles that were told of this resurrection. Flip back to Luke 24. And as we're looking at all of these people and how they were affected by the gospel, what I want you to do is I want you to grab onto one that you say, that's me. Maybe you've already heard the Peter story. Maybe you've already heard the John, or maybe you were already like these women. But these next two that we're gonna look at are Cleopas and his friend. Look in verses 13 through 16. And behold, 
Two of them were going the very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things which had taken place. And while they were talking about discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. You see, here we already see another picture of Jesus meeting them. But I wanna, you don't have to read all the rest of the verses. I'll kind of paraphrase it and sum it up to, to a story. So you gotta get this picture of Cleopas and his friend and they've heard of all that's taken place, that Jesus has resurrected. They've heard of everything that's going on. And so they, here they are walking down the street, talking about everything that has happened. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on the scene. And it's almost as if Jesus just kind of engages himself into the conversation and it's like, so, what are you fellas talking about? Very casually. And so then what Cleopas does is he turns and he looks at Jesus and it's almost as if he says, duh, have you not heard of all that has happened? Are you the only one here that doesn't know what's going on? But then what's interesting is what he does next and what he continues to tell Jesus. He begins to tell Jesus, he says, you know, the man that we thought was the savior, he was a prophet, he was mighty indeed, and he was mighty in the word, and he was glorious in the eyes of God, he was glorious in the eyes of the people, but we thought he was the one that came to save us, to rescue us. But you see, he just died. And if he's a true warrior, if he was the true savior that we think he is, if he was the true savior that we wanted him to be, he would not have died. And so therefore, Jesus didn't live up to the expectations that we had set for this man that we wanted to be our savior. You see, the problem is, is I think we can all relate to Cleopas and his buddy. Because what they were doing is they were too busy complaining about what God had not done to recognize what God was doing. Look, we all just came out of a disaster in 2020. For the most part, I think all of us, we spent the whole year complaining to God about what he was not doing. And we didn't slow down long enough to recognize what he was doing. Because we had in our mind that if, if God was as powerful as he is, if God is our healer, then he would heal our land immediately. If God was who we think he is, then God should work in the way that we want him to work. If God loves our nation, if God loves my family, then we wouldn't have to walk through the virus. We wouldn't have to lose family members. And look, again, I'm just like the ladies. I don't understand it all. I'm not trying to claim to understand it all. But what I do know is that what I've learned in 2020 is to slow down and keep my mouth shut, complaining about what God's not doing, and let's look at what he is doing. We've gotta quit putting God in a box. We've gotta stop thinking that God can only operate in the confines that we have built for him. You see, I believe over the last three, four weeks, 
I believe we've got to experience what God was doing the whole time in 2020. You see, do you realize in the last, since the second week of March, that there have been 43 people come to know Jesus Christ? 43 people within the last less than a month who have stepped from darkness to light. You see why I understand what I'm seeing God do now? Is I believe he was prepping them in 2020. And I believe that we got to experience the harvest. I believe that we got to see God do some of his greatest work. But here's what I also know. He's not finished. He's not finished. But what we've got to do is exactly what Jesus tells these two men to do in the next verse. Look at verses 20, or chapter 24, verse 25. Remember, Jesus is sitting there listening to them complain about him. Talk about open your mouth and inserting your foot. But look at what he says in verse 25. Oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. You see, he speaks to their slow heart. He speaks to them because they are slow to believe. They know all the teachings. They've heard all the stories. Now they're experiencing the resurrection, but they're too busy with life. They won't slow down long enough to recognize Jesus is right there. So we have to wonder, is Jesus telling them, look, guys, I know you've been slow to believe, but it's time to slow down and listen. It's time just to slow down and listen. And so the, what Jesus does next is it says that he started at Moses and he spoke about all the prophets and it led up to who he was. So he used the word to transform these two men. They went from having this slow heart to believe to a heart that was burning for the Father. Look at verse 20, down at the bottom, 32, I'm sorry, verse 32. Jesus left them and look at what they said. Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road? Church, we gotta slow down long enough to hear the voice of God. We've gotta slow down long enough to listen to what Jesus is saying. But once we begin to hear what Jesus says, it transforms our heart into a heart that is burning because we don't understand a love like that. We can't comprehend a love like that and it sparks something in us that transforms who we are. So we see these men that they went from this slow heart to a burning heart. But you see the way that Jesus revealed himself. Now remember, they were rejecting him. They didn't believe that this was him. They didn't even notice him. But Jesus stayed close. Maybe you're here this morning and 
This whole resurrection thing today is just an Easter day to you. Let's go eat some ham and some turkey and find some eggs. And you may not want anything to do with this resurrection. You may not want anything to do with this man named Jesus. You may have all the doubts because it doesn't make sense to you. I want you to take the story of Cleopas and his friend and understand even though they rejected, even though they didn't listen, even though they wouldn't pay attention, but Jesus was still close. So I don't know where you're at this morning, but I want you to hear me say that, that Jesus is still close. He's not given up. He's still walking with you. But the more we walk with him, the more he reveals who he is. The more we walk with him, the more he reveals who he is. So church, we've got to slow down long enough to recognize what God's doing. If you're here this morning, I know for a lot of us, it took an act of Congress to get us here. You had to get all those kids prettied up. You had to get prettied up and that took a lot of work. I'm speaking for myself. But I don't want you to slow down. Slow down and don't miss it. Slow down and don't miss it that Jesus is still close to you. Because if he wasn't, you wouldn't be here. I want us to close out by looking at one more group. Flip back to Matthew chapter 28. We're gonna look at one more group and this group is the guards and all of the city council that they had to go back to and announce of this resurrection. You see, keep in mind that these guards, they had experienced the resurrection. They had seen it firsthand. They saw it, they heard it, and they felt it. So if anybody was without excuse, it was these guys because they were right there when it happened. And so we know that because of that, they ran to tell the people or the powers that be, if you would. And so this resurrection has affected them because they saw it, they heard it, they lived it. But now they're running to tell the townspeople about it or the city council about it. But I want you to look at how it affected those. The Bible says they told them everything. They didn't leave out any of the details. But look at how they responded in verse 11. It says, now while they were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priest all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and they consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. And they said, you are to say, his disciples came by night and they stole him while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. They took the money, 
And they did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews. And it is to this day. You see, these men, they went to tell of all that had happened. But they knew if this was the reality that they were in trouble. And so they schemed up a plan. They gave him some money and says, hey, here's what you're going to say. Here's how you're gonna lie about this resurrection. Here's how we're gonna sweep this resurrection under the rug. You're gonna tell them something that's opposite of the reality. And so you gotta ask the question, well, Brian, since they ignored the resurrection, does that mean the resurrection didn't really affect them? Absolutely not. Because you see, we can reject the resurrection. We can pretend that the resurrection did not happen, but the reality is it doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what we want to believe, but nothing will ever flip that to where the resurrection's not a reality. You can choose not to trust in it. You can choose not to believe it. But the fact of the matter is the resurrection still happened and the body of Jesus Christ is not there. It doesn't matter what you believe or not. So the fact is, is we can't ignore the resurrection. These men, these guards, they can reject the resurrection all they want to, but nothing changes the reality that the resurrection happened. Hebrews 9, chapter 27, or chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once. And after this comes the judgment. So Christ also having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. You see Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27 and 28 are full of a lot of reality. It says it's appointed unto men once to die. So here's a news flash. 10 out of 10 people die. You can't escape that one. You can say, well, I'm not gonna die, but the reality is you're going to. 10 out of 10 of us are gonna pass away. So we can reject it, but the truth is it's still coming. But then after that death, according to the word of God, then we will all face judgment. You'll stand before an almighty God and in so many words, he'll say, how did the resurrection affect you? And we either bow at his feet like the ladies did and we worship him and we say thank you for the resurrection because your resurrection gave me life, it gave me hope, it gave me a future. I've trusted you, Jesus. 
So it affected you that way or you've rejected it your whole life. And can I tell you that if that's your story, if in your mind the resurrection hasn't happened, if the resurrection hasn't affected you, it will. Because if you haven't trusted it, that's when you're gonna hear the most dreaded words that any human ear could ever hear. And that's when the Father says, depart from me, for I never knew you. So church, you can choose to reject the judgment, but the fact is the judgment's coming. And you can say, well, that's awful harsh. So you're telling me if I don't believe this certain way that I don't get to go to heaven? No, I'm not telling you that. The authority of God's word is telling you that. That Jesus says that I am the truth and the life and the way that no one comes to the Father except through me. Either you've trusted him or you've not. You think, well, man, that guy is so offensive. He's going against everything I believe. Can I tell you I love you enough to tell you the truth? I love you enough to tell you that I don't want you to leave here today without rejecting this good news. You say, well, Brian, you don't know the life I've lived. You don't know what I'm addicted to. You don't know what I did yesterday. You don't know what I'm doing to my family right now. You're right. I don't know and I don't care. Because I hear the Father calling saying, come just as you are. You can't clean up enough. You can't straighten up enough. You just come just like you are. And just like those ladies, when you step out on that kind of faith, Jesus meets you. Jesus meets you. So you can reject the judgment, but the truth is it's still coming. One that's hard to wrap our mind around that the writer of Hebrews spoke of here is the second coming of when Jesus returns to take his own, to take those who have trusted. I can't even comprehend what that looks like. But guess what? I don't have to because it's coming. And when that comes, the Bible then says that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So the reality of that becomes a reality to all of us. But my prayer is, is that in that moment, it's not too late. Have you trusted him? There's gonna be here this morning, some of those who reject this resurrection. the resurrection happened and it happened for you and it happened for me but you see the resurrection is a result of the death 
of our Savior that was ours. It was our death to be paid. It was our debt to be paid. But because we have a loving Father who loves us unconditionally, who doesn't love us based off of how good we are, who doesn't love us based off of us having it all together, who doesn't love us based off of how many times we come to church a year, it doesn't based off how many times we read the Bible daily, that has nothing to do with the God's love because the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He died for us before we had it put together. That's the hope for all of us. That even while we were enemies of his, he sent his only son to die. Look, you hear me say it often. I love all of you. There's not a lot that I wouldn't do for all of you. But I can tell you, there's four things that I would not do for you. I would never turn my back on my son Brock. I would never turn my back on my daughter Andy. I would never turn my back on my son Cooper. And I would never turn my back on my precious baby girl Deacon. I love him too much. But you see, God in his love for you, his son was crying. Daddy, Daddy, why have you forsaken me? Daddy, why have you turned your back on me? And you know what the loving father that loves you did to his only son? He turned his back on his child because he loved you. So if you rejected the love, or have you received the love? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. 
We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.